You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Today, I'm joined by survivor and author Larry Roll. Larry's book, Breaking the Rules, has been featured on many radio shows and podcasts and is available on Barnes & Noble and at Amazon. His story resonates deeply with many who have experienced complex trauma, boundary violations, abuse within the family, and struggle with the emotional and psychological effects of childhood trauma. Larry shares his own experiences with sexual confusion, shame, PTSD, addiction and recovery, marital issues, career struggles, and therapeutic breakthroughs, all while offering vindication on a range of issues and demonstrating that it is possible to heal and thrive. Talking with Larry was like talking with an old friend, even though we had never met before. As you'll recognize, there's a connection between survivors and a feeling of safety that can develop very naturally when you discuss past struggles and healing. So thank you again, Larry, for taking the time to share on Beyond Your Past and for the message of hope and healing that you give to so many through your work. So, hey, Larry, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad that we're able to uh, to uh, have you on the show here on Beyond Your Past, talk about your book, talk some more about your uh, story as a survivor of a childhood sexual abuse and the work that you're doing now, um, not only <clears throat> excuse me, in your own healing journey, but of course, on behalf of others with all of your projects. And so let's Jump right into it, and first, just start out by giving you, you know, some time to kind of say who you are and introduce yourself a little bit. Absolutely. I um, uh, my name is Larry, and uh, I wrote a book called Breaking the Rules, uh, which is a play on my last name. And I, you know, made the decision to come out with my story a few years ago when I was really struggling to feel like I could move forward and move past. Uh, what happened to me as a child in a very chaotic home with a mentally ill mother and a sexually abusive father. And, you know, the decision to come forward and to work on this really sort of allowed me to to take the broader step, coming out publicly, talking about my experience, and really trying to hope, uh, trying to work with others and, and offer some hope. Absolutely. And I think it's just so incredible as we get started here that you've been able to write this book and and spend so much time sitting with those thoughts and i know how how difficult it is being a survivor myself when you start to write about these these experiences it takes quite a while to work through, to work through those and and the emotions come come fast and strong and they linger and it's just it's very difficult so i'm honored yes. to talk uh, with you about this book um breaking the rules as you said i will be sure and share the links to it in the show notes and of course cover where everybody can find you on the web and on social media if they're interested but so why don't we kind of jump right into that book and maybe just share a little bit more about how this this the story of having such a painful and uh, traumatic past actually kind of gave you the strength to share this book and actually put your story out there for everybody. You know, one of the things I want to just start off by saying is you just summed it up so beautifully when you talk about 
you know, talking about the memories, writing them, putting words to them. It was one of the most painful things that I've done. But at the same time, you know, my therapist was to remind me that nothing would be as painful as the childhood experience. So even when on those days of trying to find the words to describe what happened and to talk about what happened, you know, I, I did find that sort of foundation to help me move forward. And the whole idea to write my story happened a, a few years ago when I was struggling with this transition of where I was in my career and my life and, um, and feeling still held back at certain times of the year. You know, holidays were always really triggering for me. And as a way to sort of combat my feelings that would come up, I chose to sit down and start writing. And it was the first time that I did that and actually sat down for an afternoon and wrote out what happened at the hands of my father as, as a way to, to get past it. Uh, but it was so difficult that I actually put down my journal and my pen for another six months and you know, had to really get up the strength and, and the resolve to decide to, to say more. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. When I first started writing in my own journal, back when I was working with a therapist, you know, and, and, and kind of beginning this whole healing journey, I didn't start out writing on a blog, you know, like I do now. I started out just journaling on my own. And that was difficult in itself to sit there and just confront those memories and, you know, those thoughts that for me personally, like I had pushed aside for like over over 30 years. I was living my life and doing my thing and I wasn't paying attention to it. And then once I started to realize that I needed to work on it and this came up in a therapy session, I started writing, man, it was, it was so intense. And there were times when I had to put it down for a while or times when I would start to write about something and it got to be too painful and I just had to stop and give myself a break and come back when I was ready. So I think it really speaks to your desire to heal for not only for yourself, but you know, to really be able to reach others with this message of, hey, writing is hard and as important and as therapeutic and, you know, as, um, you know, as helpful as it is, it's not easy to sit there with your own thoughts in the silence with you, a notepad and a keyboard and actually go back to that place that was so yes. much a, you know, a time when we were trying to forget. Isn't it amazing? You know, the second survivors start speaking with with other survivors it's amazing how common our language becomes and how much we immediately share and how much resonates and you know it was just it does it makes my heart you know so full to hear you just talk about the challenge of of writing and how difficult that can be you know and i i chose to keep the fact that i was working on this book very private only a handful of friends and my therapist knew i just I felt like I couldn't have any distractions. I didn't want any questions as to how it was going. I didn't want any conversation about the actual writing process. So, you know, the, the news that I had had this book coming out and that I had made the decision to publish the story came as a surprise to most people in my life because it was just not something that I felt comfortable talking about while I was doing it. And I, like you, also, you know, had suppressed memories for so many years, and it wasn't until my mid-30s that I really started to unravel, as I say, and my memory started to become clear, and I, you know, and had the had some difficult choices to make in, in the earliest part of my recovery. So what was it like when people started getting wind of the of the fact that you were writing a book and then and, and then the book came out? Now, I'm curious as to how it was received by people who were close to you, um, you know, people that you had obviously deemed safe in your life and maybe those who were 
maybe giving you some uh, opposition. Like, what was it like when when people started finding out that, hey, you know, Larry's writing a book and it's going to be pretty detailed about some pretty traumatic stuff here? Like, was it well received initially? Did you get any kind of, you know, negative feedback? You know, that's that's a powerful question because I I had um, I was surprised by some of the reaction. Of course, you know, some of the people that uh, knew me so well and were along with me on parts of the journey were completely supportive. Um, my therapist was the one who, who asked me when I was struggling with the decision to actually come out. She said to me, you know, is this the kind of book you wish you had when you were first coming to terms with what happened to you? And that was sort of my deciding factor. And that support felt like, um, felt like something that I needed uh, to move forward. But I have to tell you, I did have some friends and some people close to me that, you know, gave me some real pushback and, and protected my father. Uh, you know, and saying things like, how can you do this to him? And what if, oh, what man. if he's approached as a result of you coming out with your story? And what if some harm comes to him? And that was really, that was very painful for me, you know, because as we know so much in society, we end up protecting the perpetrator and shaming the victim. And that was very, very hard. And I had some other friends that said to me point blank, I just don't see the point of revealing yourself that personally. And, you know, some of those moments were tough. It gives you that little bit of self-doubt that makes you pause. But I did trust my heart enough to know that I was making the right decision to share my story with others. That's so just important. And I'm so glad that you that you talked about this because when you decide to share your story, whether it's in a book or a blog or you write poetry or yeah. you do a podcast, whatever it is, when you start to come to come out and, and tell people things that are stuff that most people would try and never talk about. And it really, I'm so glad that you didn't listen to those who told you to stop because, you know, you. your voice is, you know, along with so many other survivors. I mean, you know, I mean, you are giving a voice not only to the inner child who went through all of this traumatic, you know, um, experiences and now the voice, you know, that you are as an adult, but writing this book and, you know, doing the interviews and everything that you're doing now gives a voice to everybody who, who's still in a place where they can't talk and they can't right. share their voice because they're silenced for any any number of reasons. So you're right. I mean, so often society protects the person who did all of these horrible things. And it's like, what about the victim? It breaks my heart because I know what it feels like. And I know you know what it feels like when when you get invalidated and you get pushed back and it's well, we we really shouldn't do this because you don't really want to talk about that and it's not healthy and, and it hurts too many people. And I'm like, well, no, like your voice has to be heard. And this book is important and your story is important because there are countless people out there just like you and just like me and, you know, all around the world who are dealing with all kinds of similar things. So I'm just, That's right. I'm so glad that we're talking about this book. I really am. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I want to focus um, a good deal on how writing this book has changed, um, you know, your life, but maybe we can just kind of go back a little bit and share some of the experiences so people get a really good idea or mindset as to where you're coming from with, with being a survivor. So sure. maybe if, if you want to share a little bit about how you first realized things were happening in your household, how, you know, this really wasn't something that was quote unquote normal, what that was like experiencing that and kind of living through that as a child and then growing up. Yeah, you know, the best way to sort of um, to speak to that and to sort of give the overview, um, for lack of better words, is to just, you know, I had a mom who um, was emotionally, uh, mentally very unstable that, 
you know, was violent against my father, you know, would, would beat my father in these hideous um, fights that they would have. And from as long as I can remember from a very young age, you know, it took my sister and I to break up their fights. And, you know, it was really devastating. We never know, we never knew which mom we were coming home to. You know, she was just so unstable. And my dad was this, you know, sensitive um, guy who perceived, you know, came across as like a very likable family guy. And that was one of the main reasons why I felt like I had to tell my story also was because my dad was not like the scary, you know, guy lurking around a neighborhood that people often perceive pedophiles to be. You know, we, we looked on the outside like this perfect loving family. And it's this whole idea of what happens behind closed doors. You know, my father started sexually abusing me before I even started kindergarten. And it was a terrifying experience. And, you know, the first time I, you know, actually said something in second grade, I, I referred to my parents fighting a lot. And, of course, the teacher did the right thing and called home. And, um, you know, my mother wouldn't speak to me. My father called a family meeting explaining to me and my sister that we had a family that loved us, unlike what, how they grew up, and that there was nothing we couldn't fix between the four of us and that we were never to tell anyone outside of our family what happened at home. So it was, this, it was this horrible, perfect storm situation with a volatile mother who could, you know, love you one minute and just, you know, be filled with rage and scorn the next, and a father who sought comfort with his son. And, you know, it was just uh, awful, awful. I can hear just the, you know, in your voice right now. And I just, I can imagine in, in so many ways what it was like, because, you know, I was in a similar situation, although mine wasn't at the hands of a parent, it was at a teenager up the street, but, you know, just the whole thing of, 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 of staying silent and, you know, you know, um, this doesn't leave this house and we can fix everything and nobody needs to know. And, you know, you know, don't air all these little secrets and all this stuff that nobody ever wants anybody to ever know, but inside as a child, you're, you're struggling and you're just, you know, you're confused and you're scared and you're, you feel alone and you want to tell somebody, but then you've got the people who are supposed to be supporting you telling you, well, don't do that. And then you have all, all, all these conflicting things. I mean, this is absolutely complex trauma all all the way around. I mean, just repeated events and in your household, which which is outlined um, in your book, as you mentioned, I was reading on your website about, about how your book details a lot of the events and how it focuses on you know, your mother and her being mentally ill and just the violence and everything. And I just, it kind of leaves me speechless whenever we, we talk about these kind of things because it's so intense and so personal. And the fact that you're able to talk about it now after enduring so much just speaks to your resiliency and your desire to not give up and to find a way to heal through all of this. I mean, you know, especially as a child and then growing up and you have all these secrets that, that you're holding in. I mean, it just, it had to really just be so traumatic over and over again, even when the abuse was, you know, technically over to just realize what was going on. You know, that, that brings up a great point. You know, my parents remained in my life as I, you know, went through high school and moved to New York City. And, and it was always, I was always filled with guilt that I was never good enough or doing enough for them. And it was this feeling of just inadequacy that, that continued. And, and as I got older and as I started to, you know, get into my 30s, the memories when they would come back and I started recalling things that my father had done, I immediately said to myself, you must be crazy. This could not have happened. This was your father. But yet there was the equal part of my brain that knew exactly 
that this had happened, but accepting it was something much different. And, you know, then there's my mom, you know, this, this volatile character who's still my mother and this idea that, you know, I became her ally. And if I, if I loved my mother enough, if I doted on her, if I paid enough attention to her, even as a little boy, I stayed in her good graces. That was the way to earn my mother's affection and to get those pieces of her that I loved so much. And writing the book, tapping into that, tapping into my mom and the, the feelings I had around her, that was one of the most painful parts of writing the, the book. And you just alluded to it. You know, even when I finished writing, I still felt caught off guard when someone said to me, this book is as much about your relationship with your mother as it was, as it is about what happened with your dad. And, and that's so true because for me, the complex trauma, you know, the two of them were so intricately woven in, in the, the events that occurred that it was very hard to untangle. And, you know, certainly talking about it and writing it while I kept that very private, you know, this was a 10-year unfolding process. You know, I, you know, I suffered all of the things that so many survivors do. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I used alcohol to numb. I had panic attacks. I had an anxiety disorder. I suffered from depression, suicidality. And those years were incredibly difficult. And to start to see the light on the other side is what I started to believe could actually happen. Yeah, let's kind of go down that road a little bit of talking more sure. about the light, um, because yeah. I think, you know, that's what I think gives so much hope to survivors. I mean, I always am so honored and um, excited is not really the word, but just to hear how somebody kind of finds their way out of that traumatic uh, you know, thing that's going on in their life. And it for so many people, it's, it's, it's different ways. Maybe it's a light bulb moment. Maybe it's, you know, they were able to finally get some distance or maybe they got some perspective or they, or they, they talked to somebody and they finally realized that, Hey, you know, this, this is not right. This, this is not normal. I need to get help to try and figure all this out. I mean, and I mean, as survivors, anybody who's experienced childhood sexual abuse or any type of trauma, um, whether you are that person or perhaps a spouse or a family member or a friend who's 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 helping somebody through that, we know what those feelings are like and and we can relate to everything that you're saying. And I think one thing that just really helps give me hope and gives, you know, the listeners hope is just what was the kind of the 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 thing that caused you to reach out for help and be like, you know, I have got to figure out what's going on here in my mind. I gotta figure out how to deal with these emotions. Yeah, I when I started, I had always suffered from anxiety, but I never talked about it. I kept it very private. And I, you know, literally the, the visits to the doctor convinced that you've, you're having a heart attack or that there's something wrong with your heart and getting your blood pressure checked. And, you know, there was this underlying anxiety. But as my panic attacks started in my, you know, late 20s, you know, I, I hid them. I was ashamed of them. And they happened mostly in the car when I was driving, which is not convenient at all, as you can imagine. And I thought I was doing a really good job hiding it. And my partner uh, pulled me aside and when saw, he saw me in a sort of a frazzled state. And he just said simply, I think you need to talk to someone. And I felt found out, but in a kind way. I just, as opposed to lashing out at him, I just said, okay. And, you know, within a few days, uh, I ran into a woman that I respected who was a therapist, not meant to be my therapist. I knew that, but I asked her if there was someone I could talk to. And she handed me this card and said, I think you should call this woman and uh, she'll be the right fit for you. 
and I still see that therapist today. And, you know, in the beginning, I mean, I, I couldn't put words to what was going through my mind. I was too afraid. But once I started talking about my panic attacks and I got on medication, in my case, I needed to go on medication, you know, I, I started trusting her because I started to feel better. And, you know, as much as I did not want to go on medication, I looked at it in, in terms of myself as a weakness. You know, I, I started to trust. And you know that that's not an easy thing to do for a survivor. And right. And I started to feel physically better, which started to say, all right, all right. So she, she didn't lead me astray. Uh, I'm trusting this person. So I started staying more. And I remember the first time I alluded something um, that my father had done. You know, I saw her expression, and I knew there was no turning back. And it was a real pivotal point for me in just understanding that I was starting out on a, on a journey that I knew I had to follow through with. Yeah, I know. I think I think each of us as survivors, when we finally get to the point where we are ready to reach out for help, whatever that uh, uh, breaking point is, or you know, the point that we've been found out, as you mentioned, that's yeah. a that's a that's a gigantic, like, um, monumentous occasion in your life because you know it's a it's a turning point of the healing process to begin. And I can't tell you how many times I sat in in my therapist's office office when we were talking about this after I had had my kind of uh, revealing moment, for lack of a better term. And and from then on, um, there were times when I second-guessed myself and I'd be like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I talking about this? And and I had voices in my head of of the people who told me, you know what, just keep it in the past. It doesn't need to come up. Right. It doesn't affect you That's anymore. Right. And, and I mean, how often did you sit in your therapist's office and, and just realize, you know what, do I really need to be doing this? Like, is this something I should really be doing? Like, can't I just stop? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, that, you know, that's such a real conversation. You know, that's like the honest truth of having those moments of doubt. And there, I mean, I, Matt, I think I was a few years into seeing my therapist when I just said, can I, can we just forget that I ever said any of this? Can I just, can I just be quote unquote normal? And, you know, I mean, we know the answer to that. And it's like, you mean, can I bottle it all back up? I mean, I don't think, I think it was physically impossible for me to do it at that point. And, you know, that, that idea of, of saying out loud and knowing that, you know, you're moving forward. But there were definitely many, many times it did not feel like moving forward. It just felt stuck in the muck and the mire of the past. And, you know, I mean, I have heard the same thing. I've heard society say and friends say, you know, why? Why do you have to even talk about it? It happened so long ago. But you know what people don't like to acknowledge is that the effects of those experiences and of the trauma last forever. There are some aspects that never go away. And you know that's why it's so critical to to talk about as far as I'm concerned because there are people that can relate to one part of the story or or more of it. And you know, that's why I just do not you know, agree with any of the idea of, of, you know, why talk about it happened so long ago. How you doing, my friend? This is Matt, your host right here on Beyond Your Past, a podcast all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. If you enjoy these shows, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. I would so appreciate it. Feel free also to contact me anytime. You can do so via my website, beyondyourpast.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now let's get back to the show.
I tell the clients that I work with and, you know, something that I've learned and that my therapist told me and, and, and the coach that I worked with who was trauma informed told me that, you know, we're going on this healing journey and we are working through all of these events and we got all these memories and we're trying to figure it all out and we're developing coping skills and tools and we're getting our self-esteem back and our confidence and our voice. But healing is healing from childhood sexual abuse or any type of trauma. It's a lifelong thing. I mean, it just is. Yes. And that's right. You know, I mean, it's a crappy hand that we've been dealt. I mean, there is there is no doubt about it. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It is some some of these things never completely go away. I mean, I don't think triggers ever completely go away. I mean, they just don't. I mean, that that's my personal opinion. But the I idea, am with you. Right. And but you know, the fact that you know, we you 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 work with a professional and you know, everything that we that we're we're talking about here with building up your self-esteem and getting tools and being kind to yourself and getting your voice out there. Like those are all things that help you deal with the triggers and the memories and all the traumatic um, events that, you know, happen in our lives in the future in a more healthy way. So we're not stuck and depressed and feeling down and alone and, you know, taken back that time that we were just, you know, feeling so, so terrible and horrible and confused because now we have the tools to move forward in a more healthy way. And so I, I just, I always, appreciate whenever somebody kind of echoes the things, things that I also believe and share. And that's, you know, healing from trauma, it's a lifelong thing, but it doesn't mean that there is a, you know, that we're, that we're, that we're doomed to be miserable and, and to be, you know, just filled with trauma all our, our whole lives. It just means that things are going to come up and we have to be extra kind to ourselves and, you know, keep our survivor toolbox kind of filled up with things that we can do to always you know, understand that when something happens, hey, you know, I need to go take care of myself for a little bit and yeah. and be okay with that and not be ashamed of that. That's right. I mean, you know, self-care for survivors is not something that just happens automatically. It's something that we have to work for. And, you know, that's certainly been my case and it's taken me quite a few years to say, you know, to say, all right, you know, here's what's happening and it's okay. This is not your fault that you're feeling this way. And, uh, you know, take a moment and do what you have to do to, to nurture yourself, whatever that means. Yeah. Self-care is of the utmost important. I mean, it's as, it's as um, important to a healing journey as actually getting, you know, the, the, as, as talking to a therapist and, or, you know, working with a professional, like all of those things are important and all the steps that are involved in that, but taking care of yourself during that process and after is, I mean, it's just, yes. it's absolutely vital. So I always you know, keep that survivor toolbox filled up, do that self-care, do whatever it is that makes you feel good and relaxed and calm and happy or whatever, you know, because I mean, we deserve to take care of ourselves. We don't deserve to live in shame. And just because we come out and share something and, you know, talk about something that nobody wants to talk about doesn't mean that we shouldn't, that we should, you know, live with those consequences as people sometimes say, but um, so let's, so now the book is out, it's called breaking the rules. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, What's it been since the book was published and now that the story is kind of officially quote unquote out there and, you know, anybody can read it. What's it been like for you? Has it been kind of an emotional roller coaster? Has it been freeing? Has it been an inspiring or scary as hell? Like, you know, <laughs> it's been all of those things, <laughs> <laughs> right? Sometimes in the same day, even, um, you know, it's, I was really, I was really quite, you know, nervous about it. And I, you know, still had some self-doubt, as you can imagine. But I have to say that I've had some challenging conversations, some challenging responses, but the positive responses and the outreach 
has surpassed any any sort of questionable response. And you know, some of the conversations I've had, some of the people that have come forward. I mean, there was there was somebody on you know Facebook who, you know, as a result of me saying that I was publishing the book, um, you know, outed herself as a survivor and said, you know, you've given me the courage to to step up and say me too. And you know, that's been incredible. And some of the conversations I've had offline and outreach, you know, has shown me that I've made the right decision to come out with my story. You know, one of the funny things, the, the publisher that I'm with, Central Recovery Press, is very protective of their writers. And, you know, we, we didn't plan for a lot of in-person book signings or book readings. The only ones that I've done have been local. I did one in New York City. But it's amazing to do a reading in front of a live audience and to talk about this. And, you know, it's, it makes me very nervous. But at the same time, to, again, see people identify as survivors and show their willingness to talk about what happened to them has been really powerful. And, you know, I think that, you know, some of the things that I reveal in the book are deeply personal regarding my my current relationship. And my partner has been, you know, unbelievably supportive and has not wavered in that support for a minute. So... You know, those kind of things are, are things that stick with me and that really matter as this process and continues to unfold in terms of coming out with the book. Yeah, I, I think it's so amazing that your partner has been so supportive. And to get the courage, I mean, doing um, a book signing is one thing and, and huge, but then to actually do a reading in front of people like live, like that had to be, I mean, I have not, I mean, I, I guess I haven't really done that. I mean, I do podcasts, so, and it, like everybody who listens kind of knows my story, but it's a really kind of vulnerable thing when you're, you know, sitting in front of a group of people, doesn't matter how, how large or small the audience is and start sharing like that, either reading from your book or, or, you know, just talking about things that have happened. I mean, maybe, maybe kind of go down that, that road a little bit. And like, what's that like when you sit there in front of a group of people and and read your book or share? I mean, you said that mostly the uh, experience is positive and I'm glad for that, but it has to still be, just a little bit, I mean, maybe the feeling is kind of uneasy or a little bit or something. Yeah. I would say unnerving. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, it's definitely part of it. You know, the it's interesting because what I found in terms of formula, in terms of doing a reading, is that each of the four uh, readings that I've done, I've had a moderator. And each time that moderator has been a woman. And that balance for me has been has been like this comforting aspect of doing it and the the questions and the, the way it's been presented. The first reading I did, I had not even opened the book since I got it, you know, from the publisher. And doing that reading, the first one, reading out loud for the first time, I was very emotional. I mean, I got through it, but I was definitely choked up through most of it. Just reading my own words, holding my own book, it was a very cathartic experience for me. And then, you know, each... I've had three different moderators, the one woman for the last two. And, you know, it was interesting because she chose to address a lot of my relationship issues. So you can imagine I'm reading about this period of, of hating my partner and just, you know, being, you know, being completely repelled by him being in the same room as me. And I'm doing this reading and he's in the room. And... Mm you know, the emotions that are attached to the fact that I can say this honestly and that he's sitting across from me, meeting my eyes and willing to hold that with me. It's 
like that human connection has always felt unfathomable to me that I could have that kind of relationship. And, you know, the fact that he has remained with me, we're going to be together 20 years this year. Wow. And, Congrats, man. You know, it, thank you. I mean, that just doesn't happen all that often, you know, and so, so the readings and the, the process have been very emotional. And I have talked about some things publicly that I never imagined ever saying out loud. And all I can say, Matt, is that when I do that, if someone asks a question that sort of initiated my response or a deeply personal response, I just have to trust that by me sharing that personal detail that someone is relating to it and that it's helping somebody. I take that same kind of approach. I mean, when somebody asks me a question, if I sit there and analyze why they're asking me, I'm just going to never say a word and just like, you know, kind of be silent right. and shut up and just not say anything and be like, well, because you know, it's, it's just in my nature to try and overanalyze and figure out what angle somebody has as to why they're asking yeah. me about this. But you're right. I, I think it's, it's so important that you said, you know, would really just take the, the mindset of if somebody's going to ask me this, I'm going to answer it in the most honest, you know, safe way that I can and hope that either that person or somebody else is going to benefit from. And I think that's really what, where, where the courage comes in and the, you know, the self-compassion to, you know, to just realize that this is a story that some people are, are going to relate to and some aren't, and we're going to be judged nine ways to Sunday by some and others are going to hug Absolutely. us sit there and, you know, you know, and hold that safe space. So by, by you having the strength and, and, and the courage to share your story, like I just, I can't imagine how many people, you know, are just being helped by you saying things that, that, you know, so many of us could never say, or, you know, or, or aren't in a place to say yet. And so I just, it sure. speaks to your resiliency just so much. Thank you. You know, one of the interesting things that came up, that has come up for me more than once, then this has been surprising. You know, I, I talk about this in the book, but I, I no longer have a relationship with my parents. I ended, I ended communication with my dad about 10 years ago. And at the same time, my mother disowned me completely. And it's so interesting to me when somebody asks me if that's the only reason I don't have a relationship with my dad anymore. And I have to tell you, it catches me off guard each time that I think, you know, here is this story of sexually abused by my dad, and somebody still thinks that I should have a relationship with this man. And it's incredible to me, and it speaks so much about forgiveness and moving on and and what we do to ourselves and the messages that we send ourselves and how we heal and how different our own journeys are. And it's been one of those those amazing life lessons and feedback from people that has helped me to remain very um, steady in my decision to move forward. So let's, let's talk about that whole uh, forgiveness aspect, because I wanted, I sure. wanted to cover it because it's been, it's been a struggle for me. And, and I mean, uh -huh. I'm, you know, I mean, it probably always will be, I'm guessing. I mean, it's just part of being a survivor, but so oftentimes when somebody says, you know, well, we, we should forgive because of, you know, I mean, so, so many reasons that you and I could just talk about forever, I'm sure, and stuff that you've heard <laughs> and, and kind of mold over in your head. But, um, you know, the, I, I think one thing that helped me embrace uh, forgiveness for myself, and maybe you can kind of see if, if this is, um, relates to you or not, but when, like, when, when I first heard the term forgiveness in terms of this, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not forgiving that person. Like, are you out of your freaking mind? Like, there is no way. Right. And so, but when I realized that forgiveness isn't always about forgiving somebody else, and it's not definitely about let, letting them off the hook, and it's not right. about approving of it, 
It's about, you know, giving ourselves the opportunity to radically accept what happened and to move on and to not let that person or those events dominate our lives, you know, for, you know, any longer. So maybe talk about what, what kind of forgiveness has meant to you personally and, and to your journey moving forward. Yeah, for me, you know, I, everything that you just said, I resonated deeply for me and I concur with all of that. And, you know, for me, I, there was, you know, I don't say this out loud very much, but there was a sense, a false sense of power that I felt that I had by hanging on to hatred for my dad. I mean, I just got consumed by this idea that as long as I remained connected to that hate, that I maintained some power. And it wasn't for me until I got sober that I started to really look at my feelings and I started to really look at what that meant and to start to let go of the hate and to say, all right, you know, I can, I can let go of these feelings. I can let go of this rage that I feel. It doesn't mean that I have to welcome this man back into my life at all. So for me, the forgiveness unfolded in this way of letting go of the hate, letting go of the rage that I had and moving on with my life and taking a step forward and say, you know what, this is part of my past and I can let this go. And you know, is it all gone? No. I mean, there's definitely, I definitely still have moments of fear, uh, moments that still come up. You know, my father is still alive. Um, there, are, there are definitely some, some challenging moments. Forgiveness for my mom has also been challenging. You know, I, I think that I remain, you know, very connected to her in, in terms of my heart. Um, but I, I look at each of my parents as, as not well. And that's also something that has helped me to just say, okay, I need this to be over here and I need to move on. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so powerful when we can just give ourselves a break and let ourselves off the hook. And, you know, that's something that took me a long time to try and, and, and embrace and figure out was this, was this idea that I can, I can let myself experience life in in a way that I've always wanted to and not be so hell bent on holding on to resentment and anger and hurt and shame to have some kind of power because I mean it believe me I've been there and I still struggle with it too because as a you know someone who who experienced this trauma like during that time you had no power you had no voice That's so right. it's only natural to want to hang on to it in any way shape yeah. or form that you can as an adult but, and, and, and I mean, there's no shame in doing so. I mean, you've done it. I've done it. So many other people yeah. do it. And, but man, like the, the power and the healing that comes with just saying to yourself, you know, this, this is part of my past. I don't like it. I don't right. approve of it. It was horrible, but why do I need to be doomed to spend the rest of my life reliving this and hanging on to things that don't serve me and don't encourage me when I can you know, um, put in the hard work of healing and taking care of myself and realize that this person doesn't have the power over me. And by releasing that power, I'm giving my own self power. Right? That's right. Yes. And, you know, a, a survivor friend of mine who I just, you know, treasure, he and I have been friends for about 10 years. You know, he, he speaks publicly about his experience and, and I, he recently shared with me, he's like, you know, I make it very clear anytime that I'm speaking that, you know, you can recover, you can forgive, you can heal, but it requires work. It, it is not, it does not come easily. It is a dedication and it is an ongoing. And I believe, like you said earlier, it's life's work. It's what, it's what we continue to do. I mean, 
just like facing boundaries in relationships, I feel that that's life work because it, they continue to shift. But healing, healing is possible, but not without sacrifice and not without work. And that's certainly been my experience, and it certainly sounds like it's been yours. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a whole <laughs> lot of work on a daily basis, and there's still more to come. And believe me, I still struggle. And some days when I'm writing a blog post or or you know doing a podcast or something, I'm just like this is just too much work. Like it would be so much easier to just kind of try and push it aside and be like, you know what, this is just not worth it. Like the hell with it. Right. Exactly. And, but you know, I think uh, you mentioned earlier that when you were sitting in your therapist's office and, and, and deciding or trying to say, why can't I just forget about this or undo it or, or go backwards. I, I kind of think that there is almost a point of no return, so to speak to where once you've kind of opened this up a little bit, I mean, yes, you can, I guess, technically push it aside, but I mean, that's just, I mean, it's when, when, when you kind of open that up, like I, I liken my, my story and, you know, my memories when I was telling my therapist, I'm like, my, my story of being a survivor is stuffed in a shoebox at the bottom of my closet underneath a pile of clothes that, you know, I don't have to see it. I don't got to think about it. It's not there. But once I, you know, kind of tore away the laundry and opened up that box there, I was at a point of no return to where I actually was able to really embrace so much of working, you know, of, of, um, uh, putting in the hard work to heal. I know that, you know, for so often, you know, so many people, that's not the case because healing is difficult. And I'm not saying mine was easy. I mean, my God, no, like not even a little bit, but I found so much power and, and, and finally breaking my silence. And now even, you know, today that, you know, obviously the um, abuse is decades in the past, I still find power and, you know, so, so much um, just strength in, in, in talking to people like you and writing about it. And it's my own way of just realizing, you know, that I'm still giving a voice to that inner child and still recognizing what happened, but I'm not doing so in a way that is self-defeating and keeping me stuck anymore. And, and I mean, I'm sure for you writing this book and talking about and doing the readings and doing the interviews now, like it just, it has to be so, I mean, as tough as it is, you know, like, like we've talked about, it still has to be so just empowering. I have to think for you to be able to just share your story and, and, and to be okay with it and to know that you are helping so many people. Well, you know, you, what's so wonderful about speaking with you is that you summed this up incredibly in the beginning of our conversation when you talked about how difficult it was to put words to the experience and to to actually do the writing because so many people assume that the writing of the book was cathartic and as you can imagine it was not you know the, <laughs> right? the catharsis it was not you know the catharsis is coming now as a result of having done the agony of writing the story and now talking about it and relating to other people and having these incredible conversations with strangers and realizing two minutes into a conversation that you have more in common with this person than you do with someone that you've known for 20 years. And that, to me, is this empowering moment. And that's what drives my, my determination to want to work with others. Yeah, I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Um, the last thing I want to cover uh, before we get to you know sharing all of your, all, all of your website and book information if there's somebody out there who's listening right now who is maybe just starting to kind of come to terms with with what happened or maybe they are a spouse or a partner or a friend of someone who's going through this tell me some things that maybe you would you could say directly to them that might encourage them to take that step 
to, you know, to contact a therapist. I need to talk about it and I need to get a voice when, you know, I've been silent for so long. Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, in, in my case, one of the first things I did is I found an online support group. It allowed me to remain anonymous, but to start to understand that I wasn't alone. That was huge. Um, you know, starting the process of, of reaching out quietly, perhaps, to read some blog posts, to actually start reading, like, the work that you do. Um, I think that for allies or survivors themselves, it's a safe way to start on this process. And then certainly, uh, as a next step, definitely reaching out to a therapist, because I, for one, believe that the therapeutic process is essential and, um, you know, to allow the, the safety to, to start, you know, telling your story and to sharing, to sharing your experience. You know, certainly those are those are aspects of, you know, the the process of coming out with your story that I think are critical. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They they definitely are, and I think so. So often that you know we we kind of almost take for granted, for lack of a better term, that you know, well, you know, something happened to you. Well, just go talk to somebody. Well, it's not that easy. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah, just not. not I so mean, easy. yeah, I mean, you have you have to come to a point when you're ready to start sharing, and you know, not because somebody yeah. tells you to, or or because you know. Some, you know, because you think you should because of some kind of guilt. I mean, you have to be at a point where you are ready to open up and share all the vulnerable, scary things in your yeah. life because, you know, there, there's, there's healing in getting that out. It's, it's, it's just so freeing, not only to talk about it, obviously in the safety um, of a uh, professional, but, you know, there's just so much healing in writing about your story. And I'm super grateful, Larry, that you came on the show here. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about your book, Breaking the Rules. Um, I would love for you to share, um, you know, where, where people can find it and, you know, where to find you on social media and any, anything else that you want to leave with the listeners here before we wrap up. Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you, Matt. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for the rest of the afternoon, to be honest. <laughs> <Absolutely>. so, <laughs> so that's great. And um, so I did create a website for the book. It's breakingtherules.com. And rules is spelled like my last name. So it's R-U-H-L-S. And um, so on the on the website, I have uh, some resources and some some um, some video talking about my experience and places you can buy the book. Certainly available on Amazon. And um, you know, I think that you know, the website that we created, um, you know, has has some good information for any survivor out there that wants to reach out or even connect with me. I mean, they can do that as well. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional medical help or mental health counseling. If you've ever considered working with a certified coach, or if you simply have questions about how working with a coach can benefit you, just head on over to beyondyourpast.com for more information and to schedule your free introductory session. We'll work together to figure out what's holding you back so that you can realize your full potential and discover the authentic you. Remember, you are worth it. Achieving your goals and waking up each day knowing that you can handle what's coming and thrive is something that everyone deserves. So take that first step and contact me today and let's do this. Talk to you soon.